This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Christmas edition of the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. Merry Christmas, Sam. Merry Christmas, Richard. It is uh, that that time has has now uh, come upon us. It has been the season of Advent, and we we hope that uh, this Christmas, everyone who's listening is is having a good Christmas and hopefully spending time, quality time with uh, family. But uh, Richard, I know we're going to have a, a bunch of family time yeah. in the next few days here. Um, are you excited to have the, the all the oh, all the yeah. chicks under one uh, <laughs> roost? Yeah, I tell you, when you have uh, eight grandkids all together at once, uh, that's uh, that is always a bit chaotic, but yeah, um, a lot of fun and uh, and certainly around Christmas time, just being around kids is uh, adds the whole. The joy, the mystery, the uh, the the fun of Christmas. Uh, you sort of get a do-over of uh, I feel like of Christmas. Like once you start having kids, and and especially when they're young, it's just uh, to me it's the most exciting part of Christmas. It's yeah, just... watching them just come out, and seeing the presents and opening, and all the excitement. Uh, just the, the and the traditions. You know, yeah. one thing I'd say uh, that I've seen my our kids do, and Lisa and I try to do this is. You, you sort of develop some traditions, and it it doesn't really matter what the tradition is so much. Of certainly, if it's upbeat and fun and and joyful, uh, that's great. But just something that you do it could be a food that you eat, or a game you play, or uh, just some activity you do at the holidays that makes that kind of special. And I, I think that that's kind of missing. I think in some modern families today of. Yeah. Where you say, well, it's at Christmas, we always do this. or And of course, you don't do it to be a burden. It's because it's special. It's, yeah. uh, it's fun. We, we've got the crokinole board that my Canadian listeners are, will, will recognize. But uh, we typically bring it out at Christmas time. They're the holidays. And, yeah. and then we put it away. We don't really play it for July 4th. It's uh, something you kind of do over the Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you store it away till then. But... Uh, I think that does something kind of magical for kids when they yeah. when there's certain tradition and it's and always for adults them. I think too yeah like, and I think but you know it's interesting like kids and your your wife my daughter was I, it's funny I think the younger kids in our family especially it was like she could you know we had to do that because that was that was tradition yeah. and you can't neglect it uh, my wife is in some ways always revolutionary ready to do something new and try something different yeah. and yet traditions are such that it's like well that's what makes this special is that we we do this and so yeah we're i'm, I'm excited about that and i hope all of our listeners uh are are going to just have a great christmas as well make some memories mm-hmm. uh push your work away for a few days and just uh, enjoy what really matters in life yeah well and i think that's that's the important thing too just about holidays in general but especially christmas is it's you sort of you, you you have the excuse to step out of the mundane for a little bit you yeah. know so much of life is is hard work and and drudgery and routine and all the rest of that and it's all you know that's good and it has its place but it's there is something um uh, i just think really refreshing about being able to to break from your routine to break from the mundane to to do things you only do this time of year. And yeah. I think that's what makes it 
Oh, that's what makes it special. Yeah, as there's well. certain food like Nanaimo bars. Yeah. I basically make at Christmas time. Yeah, chocolate babka <laughs> is is one, and uh, yeah, Carrie makes a, a really delicious uh, hot chocolate mm. that we only do at Christmas time. So that's wow. there's a reason you some things you only should do once a year. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and you know only one glass of that, and that'll that'll set you up for for life. Well, I want us to look today uh, at a passage well-known in uh, Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, let me just read a couple of those verses and just maybe comment on it. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times, when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Of course, we hear uh, the passages like this every Christmas, uh, and I thought it would just be a good uh, passage just to reflect on here this week as uh, as we look at Christmas. And, uh, and, it, and it starts off in a kind of a dismal mood. Of course, Isaiah, much of this, in the early part especially, is written in the context of uh, Assyria, the world superpower that was uh, making inroads into the whole area of Israel and uh, ultimately would take away the northern tribes uh, into uh, exile and would destroy Samaria. And uh, Naphtali and Zebulun were two of the tribes that were in the northern part of Israel. And so the reason that's important is because uh, whenever it, people like the Babylonians or Assyrians or Persians uh, when they would invade, they would always come in from the north. Uh, Egypt would come in from the south, but but the other invaders, they typically came down a highway and entered from the north. That's how uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah, when they entered into the promised land, they, they traveled that same highway. And uh, so if you were the tribes in the north, you felt you, you were the first uh, people impacted by an invader. And... Uh, if you were farther to the south, you might be feel less the impact. So it's saying these lands that um, that have suffered the most from invaders and uh, enemies, uh, the, the, God is going to do a great work where they will celebrate. Of course, that's where Jesus will grow up and where Jesus will do much of his ministry is going to be in Galilee, which is in the north of Jerusalem. And so I love the fact that... Um, with God, God has a way, and, and really what Christmas represents is that God uh, invades uh, the darkness of our world, the mm-hmm. the need, the hopelessness, the pain, 
And the whole message of Christmas is God himself uh, comes to the very people that life has been beating up, uh, that life has been casting in darkness. And, uh, and it says that he shines a light. And so verse 2 says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And, um, and darkness is just one of those metaphors that Scripture uses often to describe what it's like uh, living in a world that is dominated by lies, falsehood, evil, um, and it's considered a dark place. And, uh, and when things are dark, you don't see very clearly. And when things are dark, you feel vulnerable because you can't, you can't really see where your enemy might be uh, lurking around you. Uh, you can't, it's hard to prepare yourself never knowing when uh, evil might strike. And so when you shine a great light, um, you you make it much more difficult for evil to attack. And we spent some time this year just at our own uh, house, uh, just overhauling the light system outside so that at night, uh, when it gets dark, uh, it lights up the front of our house and the driveway. And, and uh, they're just, you, you feel more secure with light. And so uh, the coming of Jesus was a coming of light, uh, coming of truth. Uh, a coming of exposure. Of course, if you're evil, then you don't want to be around light. You don't want the light to shine on you. But uh, if you're if you are looking for safety and security and truth, uh, then the more light, the better. So it says that there has been a, gr- a great light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And and I think we all probably would agree that we we live in a land of darkness today. Uh, mm-hmm. Deception, spin falsehood, uh, things that are evil that are called good and things that are good that are called evil. And, uh, and when Jesus comes near, um, he, he sheds light. And, and that's, and, you know, sometimes we always wonder, well, why do atheists or why do other religions hate Jesus so much? Why are they, do they feel so hostile toward Christianity? Well, it's because Christianity promotes truth and there are those who have no interest in the truth. And it, verse 3 says, you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. Of course, when you enlarge a nation, then it means you've had success. It means you've had prosperity. It means you're growing, expanding, increasing your influence. And it says it, it, he's in, it, it increased his joy. And so the coming of Jesus has always been to increase people's joy. Um, when when the angels announced to the shepherds, you know, we bring you a great news of great joy. Uh, the gospel, uh, the word gospel itself means good news. Uh, it's a, it's a message that brings great joy. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, the people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time. Uh, and of course, harvest time, if you're a farmer, that, that is the celebration time. That's when you party, when the harvest, yeah. when it's a bumper crop and you filled, uh, all of your, your barns and uh, all your storage containers full of grain and, and produce, and you know it's going to be a good year, a good winter, because you got lots of food put away. Um, and that same joy, uh, uh, Isaiah says, is how you feel when the Messiah comes, when when God comes near. And uh, and Christmas, hopefully, is a time for our listeners where you feel particularly close to Jesus. And, and we certainly would encourage you 
some point during the holiday. I know that oftentimes you've got out-of-town guests and family and meals and uh, extra things that you're doing for the holidays. But I find sometimes you might just need to get up early, uh, maybe start a fire, uh, get a good warm cup of coffee, and uh, maybe mix in a little bit of non-alcoholic eggnog into it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Get your Bible and just say, God, I really want to be sure that I draw near to you uh, because I, um, I want to have the joy that comes from being close to you. Mark your calendars for May 15th to 17th, 2024. Richard is going to be at The Cove at the Billy Graham Training Center uh, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. The seminar is going to be on the ways of God, and you can register at thecove.org. We'll leave links for that in the show notes. I will say, if you do sign up for um, the Ways of God conference in May, uh, do let us know because uh, Richard would love to hear from you. Uh, he, he's not able to necessarily eat with everyone, uh, but if you give us enough uh, heads up that you're going to be coming and would love to have a, a meal uh, with Richard, uh, we will definitely uh, do our best Uh, to get you on the list and uh, at least be able to share one meal with Richard. So we hope to see you at the Billy Graham Training Center uh, in May. Links to all that will be in the show notes. Uh, Verse 4 says, For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the uh, the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Uh, and that, of course, the story of Midian uh, was seven years of oppression. The Midianites would come in and just like a plague of locusts would just uh, ravage the land, take everything of value from the Israelite farmers. And uh, when you saw the, the Midianites coming over the ridge and down towards your, your plot of land, you knew you were going to lose everything. You knew that there'd be nothing left. Uh, they would be heartless. Uh, and they they could care less about uh, the hardship that they were going to cause you. And so when uh, when they're defeated and you're set free and you know that that's, that enemy is not coming anymore, uh, there's just a tremendous sense of joy that comes. And even that idea that the, even their boots, a lot of times in ancient warfare, uh, you, you might strip the clothes off of a warrior and keep them. Um, because you could use those boots and you could use uh, that sword or whatever it is that they had. But it's, it's kind of saying here that the victory will be so complete uh, over your enemy that you, you, all you can do is just pile up a lot of the clothes and the, the various things that they were using and just burn them up because they're just taking up space. It's, it's, it's really describing a total, complete victory over the enemy where you don't even have to bother trying to pick through anything of value. It's You, you don't even need that because there's so much there. Uh, and then you get to verse 6, which kind of is the heart of that. It says, uh, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. Uh, and again, we've talked about this, but uh, when you what, the ways of God um, are not our ways. And if these people needed a deliverer, you would think that God would have just sent a ready-made, fully grown, mature warrior king uh, to come and rescue his people. But he sends his answer in the form of a baby. And babies are the most helpless, vulnerable, 
a human being that there is. Um, and why, why God would provide his answer in such a fragile container is a mystery to us. Uh, but I, I have found that often God's answers to us come, in a sense, in a fragile way. If you're, if you're careless with God's answer, it can be lost. Uh, if, if you neglect God's answer, it could be gone. Um, God's answer to our problems uh, can sometimes come in very uh, vulnerable, uh, fragile uh, ways that you need to treat with great care. Relationships can bring great joy, but they can also be fragile. You have to treat them with care. Uh, and the gifts of God sometimes are that way. And so God gives a child. But he says the government will be on his shoulders. Uh, basically, God's kingdom, uh, God's rule, will rest on the shoulders of this child. Uh, he may be small in stature, but, uh, but great in power. And, uh, and we've talked about this before, but, but sometimes the most powerful things are the small things, uh, the things that you might take for granted. And then he says what is... His names will be, and of course, the name represents your character. Uh, it represents what they're like, what they value, what they do. And it says, first, they'll be named Wonderful Counselor. And I'll tell you what, uh, some of us have been to a counselor before, uh, and that can be a, a wonderful experience where you bring some maybe confusing circumstances in your life, or maybe you're, you're, you're getting a consultant, somebody that is an expert, and you're facing a problem in your business or your church, and you, you have a counselor who comes in uh, to give you counsel, to, give, to share wisdom with you. And this person's a wonderful counselor because their counsel is always wonderful. Um, I tell you what, if you have someone that every time they counsel you, it's wonderful what they give you. Uh, you're going to want to spend a lot of time talking to them. You're going to be always asking questions, seeking their guidance. And, and Isaiah says this gift of God, uh, this Messiah, the Savior, he's a wonderful counselor. And, I, and I, we've, uh, we've uh, at times encouraged our listeners to say when you're praying to God, sometimes you need to use the word that you need him to be to you. Uh, there's times where you need a counselor. And so uh, it's okay to pray to the wonderful counselor and say, wonderful counselor, I, right now that's what I need you to be in my life. Uh, I, 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 I need counsel I can trust, counsel that's not biased, counsel that always tells me the absolute truth. Um, and then it says, mighty God. He is a wonderful counselor, but he's got the power to back it up. Uh, he's a mighty, all-powerful God. Uh, and so even as he, when the, the shepherds came or the wise men came and saw uh, this child or a baby, they, th that he might have appeared small, but he was a mighty God and uh, he was powerful. And then an eternal father, uh, he is a father, he's a wonderful counselor, but he's more than that, he's a father, but he's an eternal father. And Sam, you and I have are aware my, my father uh, is getting older, more fragile. He's, uh, I picked him up for church uh, the other day, and uh, he has difficulty uh, walking on his own right now. Um, he uses a walker. Sometimes he's in a wheelchair. 
he's a, he was a great dad, but uh, he can't really be the father that he used to be to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have the strength anymore. Doesn't have the the mind that he had then. And I, I miss that. I, I wish that he was still the father he used to be. Uh, but but he's human and he's mortal, just like all the rest, uh, every other father. And uh, and so we watch our fathers grow weak and frail uh, and old over time. But but this God will be an eternal father. Uh, he's always going to have his strength. He'll never decline in power or ability over time. And and he will always be that perfect father to you. I sometimes, and again, not everyone has had a, a wonderful father experience. You and I have been fortunate, mm-hmm. but um, but God will always be that perfect father to us uh, that we can go to and know that he uh, is never distracted. He's never frail. He's never just consumed with his own aches and pains, uh, but he cares about us. And then, then finally, he's a prince of peace and uh, that means that he his rule is characterized by peace. Uh, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And there are times where I think it's it's great to pray to the Prince of Peace. Maybe you just need to say, Prince of Peace, this this uh, Christmas season this year is pretty chaotic for me. There's a lot of bills. There's a lot of problems. There's some crises or conflicts. And um, maybe I've got family coming together that... It could be quite volatile. And so, Prince of Peace, I just need you to rule in my home with peace this year. Um, and, uh, and of course, if you're following the Prince of Peace, if the Prince of Peace is your prince uh, guiding your life, then guess what he's going to be having you do uh, to be bringing peace as well. His kingdom is, is characterized by uh, peace uh, because all those who follow his rule uh, are going to value peace. They're going to be peaceable. Uh, and so, you know, there are times where uh, we all face situations where we could we could respond to someone in one way that adds fuel to the fire, or we could respond a different way that brings peace. And uh, certainly over the holidays is a great time to just say, I don't have to necessarily say everything that I think, or that comes to mind, um, why would I say things that disturbs the peace? Uh, this is just not the time for that. Uh, and so you, you just might w- not want to talk about politics or economics or college football during the holidays. You might just prefer to, to be peaceable because that's you follow the Prince of Peace. And that just says the dominion will be vast. Uh, God's kingdom is going to keep growing. It's going to keep expanding. And it, it, it's interesting to me that uh, I've talked to several people in the know of late who said that uh, two of the places right now where, where Christianity is growing rapidly, uh, one is Iran, and interestingly enough, the other is in Afghanistan, which uh, Afghanistan is known for uh, being brutal in, in subjugating uh, Christianity, and yet the Prince of Peace uh, can uh, extend his kingdom even in some of the most unlikely places. And mm. and I certainly, over Christmas, I always am reminded certainly of countries where you can't celebrate openly Christmas uh, or talk about Christ uh, without repercussions. Uh, and just to say, Prince of Peace, I pray that uh, the day comes where your rule is so 
vast and complete that even in those countries uh, you can now celebrate Christ there too. And so um, there's a lot of places not experiencing peace at Christmas time. And um, and so I think that as a Christian, we ought to be aware of that and praying about that and pray that his dominion will spread to those places as well. And then it concludes and says, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I again, there's, uh, <clears throat> there's people that are kind of hard on the church and saying, well, they just don't, I don't know that I, I'm a big fan of the church anymore because of how it's, it's behaving. And uh, yet uh, I would have to say, but Christ, if he's ruling over the church, if he's the head of the church, or if this is God's kingdom, uh, then why would I not want to support something that Christ is the head of? If he's the, if it's his kingdom, then, then I want to be a part of that, even if it's filled up with frail human beings that uh, can disappoint. And then it just kind of closes that passage and says, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And, and what the prophet is saying is the zeal of God will make sure this takes place. And I'm so grateful that God, who rules the universe, is zealous about his rule on this planet. Our planet is so insignificant in so many ways compared to what else is in the universe, and yet uh, God zealously works out his plans, his purposes on this earth. And uh, and I'm so glad that when I'm not always zealous for the things of God, that God continues to be zealous to carry out his plans, his purposes, and everything that he intends for this earth, for people, for his kingdom— he works on that night and day. Um, and so even at Christmas, when sometimes we could be distracted, uh, perhaps uh, while we're distracted, God continues day by day to zealously expand his kingdom and uh, to rule it with peace and righteousness. And uh, I think as we see one year coming to a close and a new year about to begin, uh, our prayer needs to be that uh, that same Savior that Isaiah spoke about centuries and centuries ago, that uh, we would continue to pray that he will zealously continue to spread his rule around this earth, uh, and that there will be peace and goodwill uh, among people. Well, thank you, Richard, for that reminder. And uh, once again, a Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at blackv.org.